We'll turn today to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. The Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Praise God. Can we say amen? Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. We amen. all... Amen. Amen. Have temptations. We all are tried. And today, with the help of the Lord, I want to talk about a message with the title, A Way of Escape. Can we all say that together? A Way of Escape. Praise God. Let's talk about the divine ways of escape that God provides for us when trials and temptations come. Let me first begin by saying that in Greek, the word for temptation is pyrosmos, pyrosmos. And what this basically means is it just includes a whole raft of meanings such as trials, temptations to sin, tests, afflictions, troubles. So it has a range of meanings, but in English, we just use this word temptation. Uh, but in Greek, pyrasmos refers to all these meanings. So the first thing we need to note is that in the scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, the Bible says, such as is common to man. That includes all human beings. You see, if you're a human being, then God will permit such trials to affect us now and then. Amen. The question is not if, but when. And more importantly, the question is, what should a Christian do when temptation strikes? That's really what we should be asking. Let me make one thing clear at the outset. There is a world of difference between trials what we are talking about today, pyrasmas, and evil. We are not talking about evil. We are talking about trials and temptations. We, you can easily see the distinction between these two because in the Lord's Prayer, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. Notice carefully the, the words of the Lord. Jesus said, when we pray, we should pray, lead us not into temptation, but 
deliver us from evil. Amen. So, we are to pray that the Lord will not lead us into temptation. So, we are to pray that, Lord, do not lead me into pyrasmos. I don't want trials and tribulations unnecessarily. If we pray this prayer, the Lord can deliver us and will deliver us from unnecessary trials that afflict the soul. However, and this is important, I need to underscore. However, it does not mean that he will never lead us into temptation. Understand the difference. Jesus says, pray that God will not lead us into temptation. That means if we don't, there is the possibility that the Lord may lead us into temptation. So if you don't want that, pray. Lead us not into temptation. But I can easily prove this by giving you the example of Jonah. We talked about Jonah. Jonah did not seem to be a person who was aware of this distinction. And God led him into some severe temptation. So having said that, Deliver us from evil is a bit different than what we are talking about. You see, evil is wicked. Evil is bad. It's destructive. God does not lead anybody into evil. He may lead you into temptation, but he will never lead you into evil. That's not God's character. Praise God. I hope we understand the difference between these terms. God does not tempt anybody with evil. Neither can he be tempted with evil. He doesn't lead anybody into evil. But God can lead us into temptation. Temptation has many purposes. Temptation can uh, produce patience. It can produce several qualities that are virtuous, that are praised in the Bible. But evil, no. Only the devil leads into evil. The Bible tells us the devil took Jesus to the high mountain. What was he doing? He was not trying to try and test the Lord. He was trying to lead the Lord into evil. Evil is to say, basically, that the devil is God. God forbid. That is evil. We should know how to discern the voices, both in the natural world and the spiritual world. If I hear a voice telling me to worship the devil, I should know this is evil. I should rebuke it in Jesus' name. But sometimes, like Abraham, Abraham heard the voice of God saying, take your son, your only son, to the mountains of Moriah and offer him there for a sacrifice. That is not evil. That is God testing Abraham because God gave that son to Abraham. So we need grace. May the Lord help us to discern when we are being led into temptation of the Lord, 
and when we are being led into evil by Satan. May God help us to know the difference and react as we should in Jesus' name. Once we, if we continue here, come back to our text. You see, the devil tried to tempt the Lord himself. It appears the devil has been granted this power to, to tempt any and everyone. And mostly he tempts to evil. But there can be a temptation that the devil allows the devil to, do, to, to engage in. A good example is the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. That was something God allowed. It was not evil, but it was from Satan. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. So, this can be a bit complex, but God will give grace to distinguish and discern between the two. So evil is not the same as temptation and trials. Even the Greek word is different. The Greek word is paneros for evil. No good thing can be associated with evil. It is wicked. It is destructive. Amen. So once we think about these two differences, because the Bible says every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, praise God. Every good blessing comes from God. And sometimes temptations can be blessings in disguise. Trials can be blessings in disguise, praise God. And in fact, that is what I hope to achieve today. I want, to, I want us to consider three examples from the Bible that will help us to concretize this message today. The way of escape. Amen. What is the way of escape? Because God, is, God tells us that once temptation comes, we are to look for a way of escape that God provides. The question is, what is that way of escape? Let's turn to, let's take the first example. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 and 5. Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 and 5. Once we go through some of these stories, we will understand, we will see clearly um, the difference between the two and how God works. So let's look at Genesis 39 verses 1 and verse 5. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Verse 5 says, And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Praise, praise God. Praise God. You see, 
Joseph was the first Hebrew slave in Egypt. Amen. He was the first Hebrew slave in Egypt. Abraham entered Egypt as a free man. But his great-grandson Joseph entered Egypt with chains as a slave. This is temptation. This is temptation. Let me repeat that if you didn't think about it this way before. Because somebody may think, well, I'm doing everything God wants me to do. I pray, I fast, I witness about Jesus. So, so why is this bad thing happening in my, in my life? I want to remind you about Joseph. There were few people in the Bible as righteous as Joseph. A man whom God loved deeply. Beloved of God. But the Bible tells us that he became the first Hebrew slave in Egypt. His father, his great-great-grandfather entered, or his great-grandfather entered the land of Egypt as a free man. But he entered Egypt with chains. God have mercy. Let this digest in our souls. We cannot dictate to God his plans. We cannot tell God what is best for us. As the heavens are higher than the earth, the Bible says, the ways of God are higher than our ways. But we can be assured of one thing. The same God of Abraham who rebuked the Pharaoh in Egypt, the same God was with Joseph and gave him favor with the authorities of Egypt so that none of them touched him. God may allow us to fall into temptations, but he is in control of the Pharaohs of those temptations in Jesus' name. So we should not panic we should not fret and worry if we have to go to Egypt in chains. What we need to be aware of, what we need, where we need to exercise faith is in the knowledge that the God of Abraham will be with me in Egypt. The God of Joseph will be with me in Egypt. Hallelujah. It is not God who put the chains on us. God wants to use those chains. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Please understand the meaning of trials and temptations in the life of a Christian. Don't compare yourself to the people of the world. You will never understand what God is doing in your life. We should stop equating righteousness with prosperity and a good life all the time. God has plans and purposes to accomplish which are bigger than one person. For God to bring one person in chains and save the whole family of Jacob is more important than just Jacob, uh, Joseph. 
Are we willing to allow God to put chains on our hands so that the family of Jacob could be saved? Or do we only think of ourselves? Me, myself, and I. God has ways not only to bless you, but to multiply his blessing in your, in your family, in your community, in your country even, in Jesus' name. So one man's life, Joseph, was, was God allowed that one life to bless a whole nation. Amen. And Joseph was the right person. God knows who to choose. He was not a person who just complained and gave up. And, and you know, what we see is, what I'm trying to tell you is this. God will allow us to fall into temptation sometimes, to trials. I'm not speaking about sin now. He did not say that we will not experience temptation. But he says we are to look for a miraculous way of escape to bear that which will make our temptation bearable. Hallelujah. Look for the way of escape in Jesus' name. But don't expect the temptation to just disappear. It is supposed to accomplish something greater than you or me. Hallelujah. And guess what? This escape came in the form of favor with Potiphar. Hallelujah. Do you know what the way of escape was for Joseph? It was called Potiphar. Joseph was promoted to the position of overseer. And the Lord blessed the house of Potiphar abundantly because of Joseph. This is the exit, the escape. Joseph would become busy by being productive and enjoying prestige that no slave ever experienced before. God does not want us to sit and fret endlessly and idly about our problems. If Joseph had sat idly, he would have agonized about his family back in the land of Canaan. He would have gone to the grave crying as Jacob told his sons, I'm going to go to the grave with, with my tears. No, no, no. God didn't call us for that. God gave Joseph authority and responsibility among the Egyptians to keep him preoccupied. Praise God. Somebody say, hallelujah. Amen. I'm, I'm beginning to understand the meaning of the escape. The escape. Look for the exit. Look for the escape. Yes, he is still a slave. Yes, it's brutal to be without your father, Jacob, your mother, you know, Rachel, your brothers. But understand that God has a bigger purpose. You have to endure. You have to carry this yoke. And you know what God will do? He will give you a potiphar. Amen. Look for a potiphar in Egypt. Praise Jesus. That's a strange way to put it. But I, I couldn't come up with anything better. I said, actually, potiphar. 
was God's escape plan. Because the man basically gave his position to, to Joseph. Joseph was the proxy leader to all intents and purposes. I mean, he was leading the household. Do you think he has time to sit and worry? I can imagine that he was so busy delegating different tasks and he was like foreman and chairman and all rolled into one executive director. And then when he comes home at night, he's so tired. He can't even sit and think about what he lost in the land of Canaan. He would just sleep immediately. Wake up the next day at the crowing of the rooster to go back to work. God always provides an escape. God never called us to sit and worry about the past. He himself told us that we cannot change our stature by worrying. We cannot affect certain things. May God help us to understand this message of the escape. If you are going through a trial right now, I want to tell you, Jesus is faithful. He will give you a way of escape. You probably are not seeing that way of escape. If you're saying, I, brother, I, I have no route, no escape. God has given you a potiphar. Where is your potiphar? In Jesus' name. Accept your potiphar. Accept the trial that God has given you. Because if Joseph refused all of this and would have run away or something, what would the Bible story look like? It would be so different. How would God provide providence for his people in the land of Canaan? Uh, Joseph had no idea there would be a famine in the land of Canaan. If he was selfish and thought only about himself, they would be so much more destroyed. So I want to tell you, although it may be difficult to swallow this, if you are going through an excruciating trial and you're a Christian, you believe God is one. There is only one God. His name is Jesus. This God came in flesh. He died for our sins and rose up the third day. Hallelujah. And is coming back. You have repented. You're baptized in Jesus' name. You've put on Christ in baptism. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. You are doing your best to live according to the precepts and ordinances of the word of God and something terrible happens in your life which is through no fault of your own actions then you are Joseph you're a Joseph rejoice God has a bigger plan because God never willingly puts his people into such extreme situations God is not sadistic. God does not mock his children whom he loves. He paid the greatest price for us. No father, no mother would willingly put their children in terrible situations. Never. Unless there is a bigger reason, a bigger plan. Hallelujah. So, look for your potiphar. Praise God. 
This was Joseph's miraculous escape. This was the divine exit that helped him to bear his temptation. Praise God. God intends for us to be reconciled with Jacob. But now is the time to embrace your Potiphar. He is God's escape from slavery. Hallelujah. God forbid, just think about the three, four hundred years of the transatlantic slavery. One of the most terrible, sordid episodes in the chapter of human history. Close to 12 million people who were taken, stolen from Africa, taken to the other side of the world. I mean, imagine if we were among them at that time. Imagine you knew Jesus and you have to reconcile your faith with this horrible event. It, it is mind-boggling. It's horrible, just the thought of it. If you read the book, My Bondage and My, my Slavery, My Bondage and My Freedom by Frederick Douglass, the great African-American, um, you know, uh, 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 basically anti-racist educator, different titles he has, but clearly uh, one of the giants of, I mean, he educated himself. He was a slave and then was emancipated. And when you read his book, you, you can't, it beggars belief. How can people who believe in Jesus, who go to church, have a Bible, do such things? It's shocking. But the thing is, even when he gave his life to the Lord, he could not understand why his slave master who also repented in a meeting and Frederick Douglass was so shocked, he couldn't believe it. He went forward to, to confirm that his master actually was repenting. But guess what? He saw tears on his face, but no change in his behavior towards the slaves. No change. And that's why his faith was shaken. Let me tell you, what would you do in such a circumstance? It's, it's obvious that Frederick Douglass's faith was shaken. I felt for him as a Christian reading his story. But somehow, somehow, we have to hold on to our faith. Somehow, we have to believe that we, we believe, although it didn't happen in the case of the slave master, that Jesus Christ changes souls. All things pass away. Amen. Behold, all things become new. What is your way of escape? We cannot choose our trials. Frederick Douglass could not choose his, his uh, status in life. But we can always choose how we will respond. Amen. Say, I am free enough to respond the way I choose to. Either with bitterness, with envy, with anger, or we look for the way of escape. And Frederick Douglass looked for a way of his escape. Do you know in which form it came? He learned to read by listening and getting help from the slave master's wife's Bible reading. <laughs> it's a strange, 
strange paradox. It was illegal for slaves to learn to read and write. But somehow she was a bit kinder, I mean, uh, gradations here. And somehow for a while she allowed him to learn to read and write until the master came to know and stopped it. But it was too late by then. A whole world opened up to him of critical thinking through learning how to read and write. So let me repeat, in whatever, we can't choose the nature of the trial, but we can look for our potiphers. We can look for our blessings. Amen. We have to look for the escape in the suffering in Jesus' name. Because it is always there. God promised. He in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. And God is not a man that he should lie. So let's. that was the first example. And we know this happened again and again in the life of Joseph. When he was thrown into prison. Because a new temptation came. You see. We can't choose these temptations. This temptation came in the form of Potiphar's wife. I just said Potiphar was the escape, but his wife became the new chains. Husband, blessing, wife, a curse in this instance. The same household had bitterness and sweetness. God have mercy. We, we don't know where these things come from and we can't do anything about it. Don't waste time trying to figure out why the wife of Potiphar was not like Potiphar. What we need to just understand is now when Joseph was in prison, where is his escape? Even in prison, there will be an escape, praise God. You see, Potiphar's wife became the temptation through which Joseph would now be even more highly promoted. How do I go from Potiphar's house to Pharaoh's house? Through Potiphar's wife. Hallelujah, praise God. You know, at the end, God has the last laugh. Praise God. God always wins. He has the last laugh. When Potiphar's wife thought in her evil heart, I'm going to destroy Joseph. I'm going to falsely accuse him of adultery. You know what? What she didn't know was God was looking at her and saying, woman, go ahead. And you'll see that soon you will be trembling before Joseph. Because Joseph would now be basically in place of Pharaoh. <laughs> see what a good man Joseph was. He never punished Potiphar's wife. He never punished his brothers. When God will bless you. There is no place for revenge, brothers and sisters. When God will deliver us, we should never think of taking revenge on anybody, avenging ourselves. It belongs to God. By the way, I, know, I even tell God, please don't avenge me of anybody. Amen. Bless them. Bless everybody, Jesus. That is to be gracious. God loves them. Amen. Hallelujah. Why should I worry about Potiphar's wife if I'm in the house of Pharaoh? Eh? Why should I trouble myself about my brothers and the Ishmaelites when I am now captain in the house of Potiphar? 
Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Amen. God is good. He's always in control. Praise God. We don't fear Potiphar's. We don't fear Pharaoh's. I've learned long ago, I never look at human beings. I would love to answer them as the Lord answered uh, Pontius Pilate. You have no power against me unless it is given to you, my friend. Amen. Because our lives are in the hands of Jesus. Praise God. We don't fear any human being. We only fear the God who made heaven and earth, whose name is Jesus. And if he gave you power to do this, so be it. But understand that this is not, I am not under your power. I'm under Jesus' power. Praise God. So that was the story of Joseph. His escape was called Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. Both turned out to be blessings in disguise. Hallelujah. Let's say blessings in disguise. Hallelujah. When you get problems and trials in your life, don't, don't just condemn it and say evil things. Joseph never did that. Because they can turn out to be blessings in disguise. Praise God. God will bless us through our so-called enemies. The people who hate us want to do damage, evil. They don't know that God has sent them to promote us to the house of faith in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if they knew that, they would not do it. They would run away from us. They don't want us to get promoted and be blessed. But the Bible says that God, you know, everybody is in the hands of God. The good and the evil, praise God. He rules in the kingdom of men, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar. And God gives it to whomsoever he wills. Hallelujah. God even used Judas in order that he may go to the cross. For if Jesus did not go to the cross, our sins would not be remitted, brothers and sisters. But let's not forget it was an evil man with evil desires called Judas that God used. So anyone who wants to do harm to the people of God or the kingdom of God, inadvertently, unwittingly, they are doing the will of God. God wins. If God be for us, who can be against us? Our only preoccupation, our only concern should be to be right with Jesus. Let's say to be right with Jesus. Let that be our, our number one goal in life. And God will take care of everything else. Let's go to the second story. I mentioned, I said three concrete examples of the way of escape under the temptation. This second story may come as a surprise to some, but Job's escape from his trials were, were actually the company of his three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. You see, initially, these three friends, let's let's read a, a few scriptures first. Let's turn to the book of James chapter 5 and verse 11. James 5 verse 11. The Bible says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. 
and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Job chapter 2 verse 11, Job chapter 2 verse 11 says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namatite. For they had made an appointment together to come to moan with him and to comfort him. Praise God. So as I said, this may come as a surprise that these three friends were actually God's escape for Job. Let me justify this. You see, initially, they only intended to sit quietly with him and share his grief and moan with him. We know that. However, Job began to open his mouth and he began to justify himself and blame God. This provoked the friends of Job who now began to confront Job and challenge him. Job uh, answered each one of them with more arrogance and self-justification. We know that. This went back and forth until God himself stepped in and confronted Job. So, all in all, Job was challenged by four people. Hallelujah. His three friends and God himself. This was Job's escape, his exit. Let me explain. Remember Job's wife? Job's wife was not his escape. She told him to curse God and die in the beginning. But thankfully, he rejected and rebuked the suggestion. So she was out of the picture. She was not his divine escape under the temptation. She was a trapdoor. A false exit. But then came his three friends. His three friends meant well. We are in fact treated to some of the best thoughts and theological discourses in the Bible about trials. The nature of trials, the nature of sin, the nature of righteousness, the workings of God. We quote many of the scriptures from the book of Job today. The three friends of Job were not wrong in their theology. In fact, but they were only wrong in that they blamed Job for having sinned. But my point is that God kept Job very busy through these discussions and exchanges. The wife of Job, three, four seconds and she was out of the picture. But you see, God sent these three guys. We must know the name or names of our divine escape when we are under temptation, under duress. God waited until chapter 38. Let me repeat that. God waited until chapter 38 of the book of Job before he confronted Job. And the friends of Job fell silent. So until then, God sent these three friends to keep Job busy, to challenge him, to discuss with him. 
Sometimes our escape may come disguised. We may not even know it is operating. We may be rude to our escape as Job was rude to his three friends. We may keep disagreeing with, with the escape. But you know what? All that time, the time was flying. And the trials of Job were actually becoming more bearable. Because he was talking with them. He's discussing with them. He's arguing with them. God has many ways to lift up our burdens without us even realizing what he's doing. Amen? Maybe God sent a brother or sister to you in your trial. You may not like what they're saying. They're arguing with you, challenging you. You are justifying yourself. But their words are affecting you. And along the way, you yourself begin to experience a new surge of faith. If Job was not talking with his friends, we would not hear those beautiful words. I know my Redeemer liveth. Hallelujah. I will see him with my own eyes, he said, for myself and not another. He said, though in his flesh worms destroyed his body, he said, I will see God. Hallelujah. You see, if his three friends didn't come to engage him, trouble him, he wouldn't say these lofty, soaring words, praise God. Amen. Ah, you see what God does in our trials? He sends an escape. Sometimes we're not aware of the escape. The worst thing to do when under trial is to sit and just be miserable. The worst thing to do is to sit and complain. No. May God send you Eliphaz. May God send you Bildad. Praise God. May God send you Zophar, hallelujah, who will engage you, talk with you, challenge you. Amen. Speak for God, even though they misunderstood and blamed him and provoked him. It's good. Do you know that it is not before a person is thrown into isolation in prison that they really understand the desperation that you know, comes with being without human company. There are prisoners who have said, I would exchange food just to speak with somebody. Because now the seconds tick by, each sound of the, the second passing is, is unbearable. But the voice of a human being I would give anything for, to let time pass by. So God did not allow Job to sit in misery. He sent his three friends. They talked about God. And we know that whenever people talk about God, doesn't matter what kind of mood they're in. Remember the apostles and the, the disciples on the road to, Damascus, to Emmaus? They were sad, the Bible says. But they were at least talking about Jesus. And whenever you talk about Jesus, Jesus himself will come. And Jesus will guide the conversation. He will guide it into all truth. He will challenge what we are saying. And then he will break the bread and bless us. Hallelujah. That means he gave them the revelation of his word. And their eyes were open and Jesus left. Jesus will not leave us until our eyes are open. Until, hallelujah, we go from sorrow to joy. Until sadness will disappear. 
It was at the end of their conversation about God that God himself spoke to Job. And everything changed. Hallelujah. God blessed him more than in the beginning. Hallelujah. May God send somebody to talk with us in the most difficult times and challenges that we face. In the midst of our trials and tribulations. Send us an Eliphaz. Send me a Zophar. Send me a Bildad, Jesus. Keep me preoccupied in theological discourses. Hallelujah. In conversations about God, which will, uh, you know, decouple me and uh, disconnect me from the woes of the present. Hallelujah. That I may soar on wings of eagles. Hallelujah, man. And approach the throne of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So that was the escape of Job. Amen. What is your escape? What is the name or names of your escapes? Is it Potiphar, Potiphar's wife? Is it the three friends of Job? Hallelujah. Let me repeat the core of my message. It's simple. But it's a promise of God because the Bible says God is faithful. Can we see? Can we all say God is faithful? Amen. With the temptation, he will provide a way of escape. Amen. So all you need to do is say, okay, I'm going through some serious tribulation. Maybe your business has collapsed. Maybe the doctor has given you some sort of terrible news about your health. Maybe something horrible has happened in your family. God forbid. Whatever the nature of your trial and tribulation. And trust you me, once you've lived more than 50 years, you know that life does seem to dish out its fair share of trials and tribulations. Sometimes they come in a series, one after the other, in short intervals. Sometimes, like a boxer, Life will dance around you in the ring and may keep dodging you, keep taunting you, land one or two blows and sometimes a series of blows. And sometimes you get knocked down. Life is like a boxer. It's like entering the ring with, with Mike Tyson or whatever, the boxing world, Muhammad Ali or whatever. And uh, you know that you've always got to keep your guard up. Something is coming. Sometimes a flurry of punches, sometimes an uppercut, sometimes, and sometimes below the belt. <laughs> but either way, Jesus is in charge. Hallelujah. And you must look for the way of escape. There is a way of escape. Praise God. Let me come to the last point or the last concrete example that highlights this message. You see, we know the story of the Apostle Paul. The man went through more trials and tribulations than anyone else in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, the book of Acts, chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, we read the following. The Bible says, when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. 
and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. There is that beautiful word again. Did you notice? It says escape. Chapter 28, verse 1. When they were escaped, thank God for these escapes. You see, a quick background, a contextual information here. Certain Jews had bound themselves under an oath to kill the Apostle Paul. But God arranged for Paul to be escort, escorted as a prisoner to Rome because he had appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen. Now, God had other plans on the way to Rome. Can we say amen? God had other plans on the way to Rome. I may appeal to Rome and expect to land in Rome. But God may want to take me to Malta on the way to Rome. One thing we can be sure of is that the Lord will not allow a man of the stature, the spiritual stature of Paul, to sit idly in chains in a ship on a very long journey to Rome, which takes many days. That is a waste of spiritual resources. God is always in the business of maximizing the potential of his gifts. If God has invested some spiritual gift into you, please listen to me. You are not your own. The gift doesn't belong to you. Be flexible. Don't be rigid. You don't know. You may appeal to Rome, but only Jesus knows where he's taking. Be comfortable. Accept whatever he does in your life. Amen. You know, for Paul also, the worst trial was not the chains, not the chains, but the deprivation of his freedom to preach the gospel of salvation in Jesus' name. Oh, praise. I pray that we will not fear any other chain except this chain in Jesus' name. Don't be afraid of chains. Be afraid of the chain of not being able to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. If I can preach the gospel to the whole world with chains, please give me the chains immediately. But if I have no chains and I will not preach to anybody, or you put chains on me and all you do is put me in a boat, in a ship, and nobody wants to hear about Jesus in that ship, may God send a storm to destroy that ship so that we can swim ashore, we can be shipwrecked, Swim ashore, come to Malta, and there I can preach the gospel. Oh, hallelujah. You see the escape? For Paul, that was an escape, a welcome escape. A man like Paul, I mean the best Christmas gift you could give this man and birthday gift and any other gift is tell him, Brother Paul, I have somebody for you to preach to. Oh, hallelujah, man. That's what the man lived for. When you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, how it transports and trans transfers people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, oh, hallelujah. There's no other blessing we would rather receive. 
if God were to speak to me like he did to Solomon at, tonight and say, ask me, what do you want? I would say that I may preach the gospel <laughs> all over the world. Amen. Unhindered access to souls, Jesus. All over the world. This is what you should give. I'm not interested in silver and gold. But of course, take care of my ticket. Praise God. You know, the Apostle Paul didn't need to even pay for his journey to, to Malta and to Rome. He said, I want to go to Rome. Jesus said, I'm going to uh, give you a free ride. At the cost of Rome, the taxpayers of Rome will pay for your ticket. And you will preach not only in Rome, but in Malta also. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I've noticed God has incredibly uh, creative ways of actually uh, paying my tickets. <laughs> I don't mind telling you that. And all the years I've traveled, 25 years, I can tell you some of the tickets came in the most surprising ways. Hallelujah. God knows how to take us where he wants us to go and preach the gospel in Jesus' name. All we need to do is say, I'm ready to go to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach in Rome and Spain. Hallelujah. And Timbuktu, praise God. So, that's the attitude of the Apostle Paul. Life is not about escaping chains for the Christian. It's not about avoiding discomfort. But it's about understanding, discerning. Sometimes God will put us in uncomfortable situations in life because there is a country called Malta for us to take the gospel to. Isn't that wonderful? A way of escape. A way of escape. So, the Lord had souls on the way to Rome. Souls who may not have been reached in any other way, perhaps. This was Paul's escape. The chains, the ship, and the storm. I repeat, the chains, the ship, and the storm. All were God's instruments. In a series of events that would land him on the island of Malta. What a beautiful escape. Paul knew that all suffering or trials he experienced for the gospel were actually God's escapes to lighten his burden so he could fulfill the one mission that he lived and he breathed for. Salvation of souls in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. If the Lord would have told Paul before the journey, Paul, I'm going to uh, put you in chains. And uh, firstly, I'm going to whip up the murderous fury of some Jews. And I'm going to put you in chains. And I'm going to put you in a ship. Uh, firstly, they, they will almost try to uh, lynch you to death in Jerusalem. <laughs> and then I'm going to put you on a ship under the command of a Roman centurion as a criminal. And you will lose your freedom and I will take you to Rome. You know, it wouldn't make sense to Paul. He said, Lord, uh, can't you just send me as a normal passenger in economy class? Hallelujah. I don't even need first class, no fringe benefits, no perks. God knows how to take us to Rome and to Malta. Praise God. He is faithful. Who will not suffer us to be tempted 
above that which we are able. Praise God. Let me summarize this message today. You see, I'm talking to people, to all of us, including myself, because once these trials hit, they hit in such a way that we forget these beautiful truths from the Word of God. We immediately jump to conclusions. We become so stressed. And you know, when we stress, the body releases these hormones, these cortisols that actually attack your own immune system. And that's why people who worry a lot tend to be sick quite often. That's why Jesus said, don't worry. You know, why do you worry about things that you can't change? Or so we don't see the connection. But we think that worrying somehow is the natural state of affairs. I want to challenge you as a Christian, start practicing non-worrying. Faith, hallelujah. Somebody once said, don't take, take things too seriously in this life because no one leaves alive anyhow. Amen. Let's say you're successful, you've, you've shot down every problem and trial, but there's always a big, big, big trial coming. I mean, we all have to face it. The day when you leave this earth, death. So we all succumb in the end. We leave this womb. I want to challenge you in Jesus. And we'll pray together. Understand God did not call us to a life that is free of trials and temptations. He told us to pray that we be not led into temptation. So if a person doesn't pray this prayer, you may find that you're being tried a lot. You better start praying this prayer in Jesus. Because nobody wants to have too many trials. Not me, not you. It would be weird if a Christian said, oh, I'm looking for the next trial. Uh, God, when it's necessary, absolutely necessary, he will allow a trial to come your way. But it will only produce those beautiful Christian virtues that the Apostle Peter and James spoke about. Amen. Those are beautiful virtues. But understand that when a trial comes, we shouldn't panic, necessarily rush to the pastor as if the pastor can remove the trial. I show you I've never removed anybody's trial. I can't. Jesus put it in place. But what we can do is pray for you that you will find the way of escape. You will see it. Sometimes it's right in front of you, but it's disguised in the form of the three friends of Job. Sometimes it's the storm that smashed the ship that Paul was in so that he could be, he could land in Malta and preach the gospel and many names would be written in the Lamb's Book of Life in Malta, through Malta. We don't know the purpose of trials and tribulations, but we know one thing. There is a way of escape. Look for the way of escape. Accept the trial. If it is from God, 
pray as Jesus prayed when he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Hallelujah. And if the cup does not pass from you, it's from God. Say, nevertheless, not my will, not as I will, but as you will. Amen. Let your will be done. Praise God. When you're able to do this, it is a sign that God is giving you spiritual maturity. Amen. Your father, Jesus, will be proud of you. Because that is what, that is what Jesus is looking forward to. Just as a father's heart, mother's heart rejoices when a child begins to grow, becomes an adolescent and of sometime adulthood and begins to show signs of clear maturity. And the parents rejoice. Our heavenly parent, Jesus, he rejoices. When he sees his children, when troubles and trials come, we don't panic and jump to conclusions. But we wisely, maturely, we say, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Amen. And God will bless you. People are watching us. It's very easy to talk about Jesus when everything is going well. But I'm concerned. I always tell the Lord, Lord, it's not when I'm on top of the mountain that I need to talk a lot about you. Allow me to speak more loudly when I'm in the valley of trials, in the valley of the shadow of death. Let me shout louder and say, Jesus is able. Jesus is God. Jesus will save. And people will look at me in the valley of the shadow of death and say, well, what is it with these people? They are in the jaws of death. They're in the fire. And they seem to be Praising Jesus more than ever before. Hallelujah. It's because we have experiences with Jesus. We know that trials and tribulations are not our enemies. They are not going to mortally wound us. But they are our allies. Blessings in disguise that take us from the house of Potiphar. From the Ishmaelites who deal in slavery to the house of Potiphar and from the house of Potiphar to the house of Pharaoh. Praise God. This is how God works. When Paul came aboard the ship that was going to Rome, nobody respected him. The captain ignored him. But by the time they were shipwrecked in Malta, and they were ready to leave from Malta. Paul was actually the captain of the ship. <laughs> Everybody knew this is a powerful and mighty man of God. You know, the way of escape changes our status. Changes everything. Amen. Let the world call us what they want. Be patient. and God will show them that you are the captain of the ship. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Job refused to sit and agree with his wife who said, curse God and die. But he was willing to engage in a serious discussion with his three 
righteous friends. Oh, may God give us righteous friends. When I'm in trouble, I would like my friends who know Jesus to come. And if I am speaking nonsense like Job, God forbid, I say it with respect to the great man of God, I would want them to challenge me. Even though they may misunderstand the source of my problems, I would rather that they just not be quiet if I'm blaming God. And they begin to challenge me and say, excuse me, uh, why, you know, the age are not always wise. I've kept my mouth from saying anything. But listen now, I too love God. I didn't come here to hear you blaspheme or, or abuse my God. And I, I have to say something. Amen. When my life is under temptation and trial, may God send me friends who are going to challenge me. I'm going to say, listen, Job, you are a great man. Everyone knows you as somebody who fears God. What's happened to you? Why do you speak this way? We're your friends, but we are the friends of God also. So listen to us. Oh, God allowed them to continue this way. That's why we don't read anything anymore about what Job's wife said. She's out of the picture. But these three friends, God allowed their whole statements, discourses to be registered in detail. God wants the whole world to read from generation to generation, praise God. What we say is very important during temptations and trials. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. May God not give us silent friends or friends or family members who just curse God. No. I want those who go to church, who I've discussed the Bible with, those who I've worshipped God with, those I've been on the streets and witnessed with about Jesus to come to me and engage me when I'm saying things I shouldn't say. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we bow our heads and let's pray in Jesus' name. Please, let's pray for... There are people from all over the world who are downloading these messages. I keep getting emails. God bless the people. Uh, from different parts of the world. Let's pray for them. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, amen. Where two or more agree in your name, you're there in their midst. And right now, we are touched by this message that you've laid in our hearts. We thank you for the ministry that you've given us. It is impossible for us to know and to see what people are going through who may hear this message. Only you know. You are the God who knows everything. You are omniscient, the all-knowing all God, hallelujah. The God who weighs the thoughts and intents of each heart. I pray, we pray first and foremost for those who are going through a severe trial right now. My God, I pray that you will come to their side assist them, comfort them, send them a potiphar, send them, hallelujah, the three friends of Job, send them blessings in disguise and help them to see that you are faithful and you will carry their burdens. You said my yoke is light, hallelujah. I pray, Jesus, that no problem or evil or temptation will Overwhelm your people. Grant them grace, Jesus, to fight, to be strong. Hallelujah. 
Let them uh, be strong in their trials and lift up the, that cross that they're carrying in Jesus' name and even be a blessing to others as Joseph was in the midst of his trials. He was a blessing to the Egyptians and even to the whole world when he sold corn to the whole world. Although he was carrying a wound, a grievous wound, but he faithfully dispatched of his duties. My God, I bless you. I praise you. I honor you. You're a merciful God. You have been faithful in all the 37 years I've served you. You've been faithful. You are good and your mercy has endured always in my life and the lives of all those who are here faithfully serving you. Bless them. Whichever corner of the world they find themselves in. The God of Job, the God of Paul, the God of Joseph. Bless them. Comfort them. Encourage them. Send them a way of escape in Jesus' name. And we will be careful to always, in every instance, assign and ascribe all the glory to you. All this we pray in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our God, our Savior. And the church says, Amen, Amen, Amen. Praise God. God bless you abundantly.